I'd like to play a game. Perhaps one that addresses those sticky fingers of yours. I've had my eyes on you, and I do not like what I see. Your job as a custodian is a noble one. Sanitizing and sterilizing the hospital. Helping patients avoid sickness. But there is a sickness inside you that needs to be excised. You have the ability to not only save your soul today, but your sight. All you have to do is click the dial across the five positions, and you will live to see another day. You have 60 seconds. Help me! program may contain mature subject matter. Discretion is advised. All right, lurkers. Are you ready? It has been 10 months in the making. But finally, from the dank depths of hell, known as Studio Zero, I can finally welcome you back to What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And yes, I am your host, Postmortem Paul. Pretty much same asshole you listened to last week. If you tuned in for that uh, whole thing that was not an episode, but it was an episode. It's kind of weird, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm that same guy. Just with all those really bad opinions I have. Yes, I know. That you keep tuning in for. Those of you who do tune in. And I have to say, and I think I said it last week. I will say it again this week. While I was away on my little sabbatical, my little hiatus, whatever whatever we want to call it. While I was gone, it was nice to see that we're still people tuning into the show, listening to old past episodes and whatnot. So I want to thank you for that. If you were one of those people, thank you. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but the past is the past. It's time to move on. And for this week's episode, episode 138, it's finally happening, kids. Wow, it just took forever. But hey, it's happening. And that is the important thing. Episode 138, focusing on a movie that came out this year. Matter of fact, it only came out a few weeks ago. I know. I'm actually doing a review within a time frame of when a movie actually came out. Kind of interesting. 
because I don't normally do that. A lot of times I focus on like a movie from like 1932 and it's like, yeah, here, 100 years later, <laughs> 90 years later, whatever. Um, but anyways, yeah, th- this movie that I want to talk about this week, I got to say, fuck, it impressed me. I, I was more impressed than I expected to be. Let's put it that way. For this week's episode, torture, torment, blood, guts, gore. Yes, let's bring the show back with a bang. We're going to be talking about Saw X or Saw 10, whatever, uh, from 2023. But as usual, I have other things I want to talk about first before we get into Saw, Jigsaw, Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, all the good things that come from that Saw franchise. Yes, before we get into that few other movies that I kind of want to quickly highlight on because they need to be spoken about. Um, first one. Okay, both I, I should say both of these movies I'm going to be talking about uh, straight to streaming. And I can say it's probably a good thing they did straight to streaming. I, I can't see that either of these movies would have been successful theatrically. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, again, me and my bad opinions, but... First one I want to talk about is Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Yeah, alright, so this was a thing that we were going to do a prequel. We were going to give you backstory to the story you already knew about. Let's put it this way. Let me... Let me Bloodlines. Um... So in the movie, spoilers, um, they repeat the line, sometimes dead is better, quite a few times in the movie. You hear it, I'd say at least half a dozen times, if not more. Here's my thing. Maybe the filmmakers should have taken their own advice. I mean, they seem to like saying that a lot. Maybe you should have followed suit. I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the first remake from 2019. The one that uh, underused John Lithgow. So it already had lost points for that. Um, But honestly, the 2019 remake wasn't necessary. And I remember when I reviewed the 1989 movie, I said exactly that. I said the remake wasn't necessary. The original still holds up. Um, I mean, that 1989 movie, it's creepy. It's unnerving. I mean, Zelda is nightmare fuel. (laughs) A remake was not needed. This movie, Bloodlines, the new one that came out, serves as a prequel to that 2019 remake. And, you know, here's the thing. I saw the trailer for Bloodlines, and I was like, "Mm, let's stay cautiously optimistic. I wanted something good from this. I mean, I saw names like David Duchovny, Pam Greer, Henry Thomas. I like these actors. Their names were in the credits. I'm like, hmm, maybe, 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 uh, sadly, they couldn't even help this movie. No, they really didn't. Um, but. I also have to say that the movie's biggest problem isn't the actors. The actors, I mean, they're they're working with what they're given, right? It's the story that's the problem. It's the fact that at no point 
in this movie, in Bloodlines, do I ever actually care about the story? We already know the story. We know Timmy Baderman. We know he was buried in the burial ground that is past the pet cemetery. We know that he returns from the dead. We know that he goes cuckoo when he returns from the dead. (laughs) And eventually, he's killed. Movies like this, honestly, they don't work, kids. Like, I don't know. It's like. It's like watching the Titanic and thinking the boat won't sink. You know it will. <laughs> like, So my thing with Bloodlines was, okay, I was hoping there would be something engaging in the story. There really wasn't because I already know all this. It's sort of, and I understand Star Wars fans for this one, Solo. We know the story of Han Solo. We got all that backstory through exposition and dialogue and interactions between characters it's the same with this we already knew about the story of timmy baderman judd crandall told lewis creed the story so i'm basically watching this hour and a half movie showing me things i already know and it really didn't expand on anything um I will say there were things I did like in the movie, uh, the music selections, because it takes place in 1969. They go with that whole, you know, 60s music theme and whatnot. And I did like that. The dog's name is Hendrix, obviously after Jimi Hendrix. Uh, the dog actually in the movie is pretty cool. Uh, Jelly Bean is the name of the actual dog. It's a seven-year-old, um, I wrote it down, Red Healer Australian Cattle Dog. I just remembered cattle dog and I was like, I better write the whole thing down. Uh, (laughs) But it's um, the thing about the dog is the dog is deaf. It can't hear anything. And I guess that was specific in what the in what the director wanted, because deaf dogs have a tendency to stare a lot and they focus really hard because they don't have their hearing. So they, they have to go off other cues. So it gave off the impression that the dog was a zombie dog, you know, coming back from the dead and everything. So it's actually pretty cool. I really did like that. And the dog's adorable as well. So, I mean, obviously me and dogs. And yeah. Um, also the characters. Okay. In the, in the story, we have a native brother and sister, Manny and Donna, the two actors who played them, Boris Goodluck, who played Manny, and Isabella Star LeBlanc, plays Donna. The two of them actually work really well in this movie. Great chemistry. And I felt they were believable. Everybody else just seemed like they either they weren't into the story or they were doing this for a paycheck or what. Like, And we're talking David Duchovny and Henry Thomas. I really enjoy both actors a lot. Obviously, X-Files, David Duchovny, all hail the king. Um, and Henry Thomas I've grown up with since like E.T. and Cloak and Dagger and movies like that. So all the way up to you know what he's doing these days. So I wanted more from this movie. I mean, it wasn't a complete waste but it, it's just not necessary, much like the remake that it's a prequel to. Um, giving it a number grade, maybe a four, five out of ten. I think I was generous when I was when I was talking about it on Facebook. I said eh, it's a five out of ten, but it might even be a four. And I mean, 
this is the thing. Like, I love the book Pet Cemetery, and I love the original movie. I just feel like everything else that has followed has not been good, kids. Oh, well, the Ramones, a Pet Cemetery song and video and whatnot. Awesome! But that's the Ramones. They don't know anything. When the Ramones were making music, nothing sucked, okay? They oozed amazing. So there was that. The other streaming movie I watched, I watched it actually just last night, totally killer this one is on Amazon. Oh, by the way, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, Paramount Plus, if you want to check it out. Okay, so totally killer. It's an Amazon exclusive 2023 flick. Being labeled as like Back to the Future meets Scream. Um, or I've seen other people say it's Back to the Future meets Halloween. Okay, I guess you can see that. Um the problem with Totally Killer is, in my opinion, it's nowhere as clever as any of those movies. <laughs> Back to the Future is the king. Uh, Halloween and Scream are, you know, amazing flicks. I do not feel that Totally Killer is in that an echelon of, of, like, titles. You know what I mean? Like, it's an okay movie. Uh, I think... At least for me, anyways. Totally Killer is going to be one of those movies that I'll probably watch once and never return to again. Unless I was to, like, do a full review for it in, on this podcast, which, honestly, I probably won't. Um, the thing to remember... Okay, so if you guys do check this out, the one thing that you need to remember is it's a spoof. Okay, that's the thing about this movie. It's a spoof. It's a horror comedy. The problem with it, at least in as I took it, it's very preachy. Um, there's this whole thing like, okay, like you have this character that's living in the now, 2023, you know, where we're all social media dictates everything that we believe and we, we breathe and, you know, and stuff like that. And we've had a lot of like, um, I almost want to say that it's like, like societal grooming where it's like, this is bad, this is good, and all this sort of stuff. And this is the era we're living in right now. So you take a character from that and you time warp them back to the 80s. The 80s where we were a little bit more freer in some of the things we did. We weren't as mindful Um some people would go as far as to say, like, oh, the 80s, they were a bunch of Neanderthals. I wouldn't go that far. We did care about each other. We did love each other. We just, we were a little bit more blunt. And we really didn't, we didn't get offended as easy. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, harping on, like, this newer generation or anything. But you guys do get offended pretty easily sometimes. So this movie tends to, it takes this current character puts them in the 80s and everything is like 80s behavior is bad you know 2023 behavior is good and we're very inclusive and we're better than the bad 80s behavior the thing is is i know what the movie was trying to do it's it was throwing shade at both ways of life like kind of pointing out how both styles of life were very excessive if not done in moderation like like, I mean, some of the 80s behavior is the way, like, the way they talk. And they have this thing where, like, there, there's one scene, spoilers, there's one scene where, like, guy gets a little rough with a girl and then burps in her face. And it's like, 
to be completely honest, I don't recall ever burping in someone's face in the 80s, but it was it's an exaggeration, right? And then I think the character that's from the current era being in the 80s is also over-exaggerating this whole, like, we have a higher opinion of life and we, we, we're we better than you 80s people kind of thing. Like, it seems like it's done in satire, but the thing is, is that for me, the humor just didn't work. Also, there's times where you have this character, I should say, it's 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 Sabrina, uh, Sabrina Spellman. It, Kiernan Shipka is the main character, main protagonist in this movie. Um, and she get she goes back to the eighties and whatnot. And there's times where it's like, okay, especially post Scream. Okay, after Scream, a lot of people became self aware about things happening in movies and whatnot. And not only that, but things that happen in life, you know. So you have this character, she goes back to the 80s, and it seems like she's constantly making commentary where it's like, you are like blatantly letting it be known that you don't fit in. Like, uh, to try and give an example, like, like she'll make comments about, okay, for example, and something that she does quite often, she goes back in time, she sees her mother as a teenager and keeps calling her mom, and it's like, you you know in, in real life if you were that person who got you know who went back in time you know your situation you know everyone around you has no clue your situation so you would be more mindful of that i found that some of the humor was constantly making her slip but it's like this is a very intelligent character that you're making it look like she's thick that she's dense and that and it, I just felt the humor didn't work. Everything else about the movie was pretty good. The pacing was good. Some of the... I like the mask. So I keep seeing... like Everybody keeps saying that the mask reminds them of like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Or... What was the other one? I saw Johnny Bravo mentioned a lot. I do see the Johnny Bravo thing. But for me, when I was watching this movie, the mask keep remi- keeps reminding me of Hugo Weaving. Like as Agent Smith. I don't know why. Just with blonde hair, like he's got the Johnny Bravo hairdo, but it hit the facial expressions remind me of Hugo Weaving. I don't know. Anyways, I will say Kiernan Shipka, she is the highlight of the movie. Her acting is really good. I find some of the dialogue they gave her was kind of crappy, but it is what it is. The movie's good for one viewing, but I feel it's that one and done kind of flick. Probably about a five, five and a half out of ten. Uh, I don't, the thing is, is with this one, I really don't want to say a whole lot more because I think a lot of you will like it. I think it's just for me, the humor just didn't cut it. But I did watch it in one sitting. I finished it, never fell asleep during it. So I can say it's it's interesting enough to keep you going. There's not much gore. There's not much suspense. And I think that's the other thing is there's a little too much humor and not enough horror to it. But Overall, it, it's not a bad flick. I just, it, I can't see that theatrically it would have worked. And I think that's why it going straight to streaming, probably the better choice. A few other tidbits before we get into this week's review. There were a couple things that were mentioned this week, a couple things to remember. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, October 10th, don't forget that on AMC, AMC Plus, and Shutter TV, our favorite 
ghost host with the most. I don't know. I, I, Joe Bob Briggs celebrating 45th anniversary of Halloween. So I'm actually watching Halloween early this year, kids, because <laughs> I'm watching it live tomorrow night. Um, also on the 10th of October, Tuesday, The Boogeyman. That film that was directed by Rob Savage, based on a Stephen King story, screenplay done by Scott Beck and Brian Wood. Yeah, that movie gets its physical release on DVD and Blu-ray tomorrow. Um, Yes, I know a lot of people have mentioned it's not a scary movie. It's not. Honestly, what horror movie these days actually is scary? There's no such thing as a scary horror movie. But I will say it's got some creepy tones. It does some cool thing with sh- cool things with shadows and whatnot. I really enjoyed the movie. Also stars little Princess Leia from the Obi Wan series. Uh, what is her name? Vivian Lyra Blair. She's in the movie. She's really good. Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out. I I liked it. I really did. Um, one last thing. So this is sort of more science fiction related more video game related, but I wanted to mention it because it was something that caught my attention and has me peak. It has my interest peaked announced. Uh, I want to say it was about five days ago. The world of cyberpunk 2077 will be getting a live action treatment. I'm very curious about this CD project red and anonymous content, anonymous content. They did this series, Mr. Robot. Yes. <laughs> so this, uh, right away when I saw that, I'm like, mm, okay, you have my attention. Anyways, the two of them are teaming up to produce a live action series that will take place in Night City and will focus around the Cyberpunk 2077 video game and the series and all the lore and whatnot. So who knows? We might see Johnny Silverhand, Keanu Reeves. Hey, man, if. They're going to do it. Pull him in now. He's, he's still a hot commodity. He's always a hot commodity, but you know what I mean. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested. It, 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 no mention as to where the series is going or what the plot is or anything. It's very fresh. They just basically announced that the two entities are teaming up to give, a, give us a live-action series. So I'm looking forward to that. But now... From Night City to Mexico, it's time to play a game, lurkers. Uh, And this is the thing. Some franchises do not get better as they go on. Some of them end on disappointing notes. Halloween. And some have killer additions to their steady flow of films. Scream. Scream 6. Yes. That was awesome. And then there's the Saw franchise. An up-and-down seesaw of some good, some not so good, and some that just don't fit at all. And then there's this week's featured review. Where does Saw 10 fit? I know you're dying to find out. Live or die, the choice is yours. After the break, kids. The cancer is still spreading. I'm afraid there's nothing else we can do. There is one person who might be able to help. Our program is a two-pronged treatment outside Mexico City. The results have been stunning. She saved my life. You're in very good hands with us. After that, what happens then? 
Your whole life happens then. John Kramer. According to these scans, the tumor was never removed. How much time do I have? Months, at best. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. Hello, everyone. It's time to play a game. You all pretended to cure me, but what I have planned for each of you is very real. Peace came upon me. No light. No sound. The only thing I have not provided is your anesthetic. But trust me, you will want to remain alert. Men that she you picked John Kramer? Please don't hesitate. Place a big enough piece of your cerebral tissue into the glass enzyme tank. This will save your life. So this is not retribution, it's a reawakening. The choice is yours. Alright, Lurkers, welcome back. It's time to play a game. We're going to play a game where I'm going to give you a review of a movie and you will most likely disagree. No, I'm kidding. Or am I? By the way, I also wanted to mention one other movie I watched this past week. Not on streaming, but it is available to watch through streaming. Um, Natty Knox stars um, Bill Mosley, Daniel Harris, Robert Englund. You're thinking, holy shit, those are some really cool names. Um, movie's okay. I will say that. I mean, Bill fucking Mosley rules. Uh, man plays crazy very well. <laughs> um, Robert Englund has a small role, but I mean, it's gold. It's cinematic gold. Whenever Robert Englund is on the screen, it's always good. Even in bad movies, he's good. Um, but yeah, the movie Natty Knox, it was weird because I was actually picking up Prey, the uh, Predator movie. I was picking that up on Blu-ray and right next to it, I saw Natty Knox and I wasn't planning on buying it. And then I saw the three names and I'm thinking, well, I like all three actors. I hadn't heard much about the movie. I knew it was available for free on Tubi and I was like, how much is this movie in 1288? 13 bucks for a movie. Let's hope I don't regret buying it. And I didn't. Actually, it's enjoyable. It's a nice little Halloween flick. So I thought I would also mention that. Uh, again, probably a movie that I won't review for the show. But just something that I thought I would mention out there uh, for those of you who see it. it. Like I said, it's available free on Tubi. So you don't even have to buy it. I was that glutton for punishment that was like, well, let's uh, drop a few ducats on this one and 
Hope I don't hate it. I didn't, luckily. So <laughs> that's all right. And another movie that I didn't hate. I, I'm not going to bury that lead on you guys because Saw X, Saw 10, whatever we want to call it. I like calling it Saw X, but I mean, I know it's Saw 10, technically. Technically. Um, anyways, the movie was released not too long ago. As a matter of fact, uh, September 29th. 2023 yes it was recent i know that's first time i'm really doing a movie i think this recently no there's a couple others i've done but yeah this one i fell in love with this movie so i i was like yeah screw it i, I was gonna wait a bit i was actually gonna wait till like m- more closer to halloween but i realized i can do this without spoiling things so we're doing it now movie been uh, directed by Kevin Grudert. I think I'm saying his name right. Uh, he also directed Saw 6 and Saw 3D. And he's been an editor for uh, the Saw movies 1, 2, 3, 4, Jigsaw, and this one. This one is the first time he served as both director and editor. Um, in the past, he's either directed or edited, but he didn't do both. This is the first time he did both. He was also an editor on the Brian Bertino flick, The Strangers. Remember that little gem. So he's got some gravitas when it comes to horror films. This movie was written by Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg. Both writers have also written the screenplays for Jigsaw and Spiral, The Book of Saw. So they knew the world they were getting into as well. So that helps, definitely. Um, Saw 10 was produced by Mark Berg and Oren Cools. I think I'm saying Cools or Cooles. I'm not really sure on how he pronounces his last name. The executive producers for this film, well, none other than Lee Winnell and James Wan. Just the two guys that are responsible for the whole fucking franchise. I mean, it, they don't do the first Saw movie. This never happens, so... Obviously, they were pouring some money into this movie as well. Cinematography by Nick Matthews. Um, it's his first Saw movie. He hadn't worked on any others, but he has also worked on movies like Mobland and the Shudder original Spoonful of Sugar. So, Now, the one thing I like talking about when it comes to Saw is the music. The music has been done by Charlie Clouser. And this is a name that I was familiar with well before the Saw films even came to be, because he's a former member of Nine Inch Nails. Uh, In my opinion, he also came from the best era of live band members, I might add. Uh, At one point, the lineup was Chris Brenna on drums, Danny Lohner on bass and keyboards, Robin Fink on guitars, Charlie Clouser on keyboards and Trent Reznor, obviously. We know what the fuck he does. Um, yeah, that era was easily my all-time favorite era. Like, Charlie joined Nine Inch Nails. Okay, so they did Woodstock 94 and uh, at that festival. So that was August of 1994. And not too shortly after that James Woolley he he was the keyboardist for Nine Inch Nails at that time he left the band and that's when Charlie Clouser came in and so there was a performance Nine Inch Nails did in Toronto 
1994. It was in uh, De- December of 94 in Toronto. And um, I wasn't able to make the show, which was a bummer because I was uh, that was one I really wanted to go to. But years later, I found it, uh, a bootleg recording of it on VHS and ended up buying that. That was one of the greatest things I had ever seen in my life and made me regret not going even more. <laughs> but um, I just remember like the band just on... That was probably the tightest I had seen the band up to that point. I know there's been other iterations of Nine Inch Nails, and obviously they're very tight as well. But just watching that performance, that was something else. Um, Charlie was also well known for his remixing skills. Uh, He did remixes for artists like David Bowie, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, Helmet. Uh, Who else? Shit. There was a whole bunch. KMFDM, I believe. He he worked with them. And of course, Nine Inch Nails. He did quite a few uh, remixes for them as well. So... When I saw, and here's when I saw, it's a weird word sometimes when talking about these movies. But anyways, one of the consistent factors of all the Saw movies was Charlie Clouser. He's done all 10 films. By the way, his Slugworth is his nickname, in case you're ever wondering. Um, so if ever I refer to him as Slugworth, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, but anyways, he's done all 10 like he is the one consistent aside from Lee Wanell and James Wan obviously you know they worked on the first three and then after that they've basically been executive producers for all the rest but he's the he's the one consistent factor even more so than Tobin Bell because Tobin Bell was not in Spiral the Book of Saw so Charlie has even been more consistent with Saw than even Tobin Bell has, so that's saying something. Um, But he's also worked on other things. He's worked on Dead Silence. He worked on Resident Evil Extinction and TV shows like Numbers and Wayward Pines. So, but yeah. It's one thing about Saw movies. Even if the movie didn't really impress me, the score always has because I knew who was behind it. The dude's a freaking musical genius and rightfully so who, who did he work with for many years Trent Reznor let's move on to our starring cast which basically okay there's two that you really need to know the rest are all supporting cast members quite a few of them from TV so they're not as well known, but the two that stand out are also the reason this movie flies. It is so well done. And starting with, and let's not bury this anymore, and no more burying leads or anything. Tobin Bell as John Kramer or Jigsaw. Um, primarily, he's known for his work in the Saw series. Um, he's been in nine of the ten films. He's done other things as well, though, and some of the things that stood out to me were some of his TV appearances, uh, The X-Files. He was in an episode of that. He was in an episode of Creepshow. He was on the show Alien Nation, which I believe came out in 1990 or 89. It was around that era. Anyways, uh, he was on ER. And one that stood out to me only because it's a, a, a movie I remember from the 80s that I grew up with. 
uh, a comedy known as Turk 182. He was actually in that. And I didn't realize that until years later uh, when Saw came out. And then I went back and revisited Turk 182 and I was like, oh, oh hey, look, I know you. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, back in the 80s when I watched it, I, I didn't really focus on the name Tobin Bell very much. So there's that. Let's move on to our other main character. Um Shawnee Smith returns kids as Amanda. Now, interesting about Shawnee Smith, I actually knew her name years ago. Uh, the original Iron Eagle from 1986, I want to say, 85, 86. That's where I first discovered her. And then she followed up with that in the movie Summer School, which has one of the greatest horror scenes that's not in a horror movie. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Um... But horror fans will probably most know Shawnee Smith, if not from the Saw movies, then from the Blob remake that came out in 1988. And she, too, also was in an episode of The X-Files. So that's cool to know. Now, the rest of the cast from this point on, uh, pretty much supporting cast, uh, famous for a couple things, not overly famous. So I didn't focus a whole lot on them, but they do deserve to be mentioned because they're part, they serve part in this movie. Um, and now I'm going to try, uh, Cecilia Peterson is played by, and please bear with me. I may get this name pronounced wrong. I want to say Sonobe Makoti Lund. Um, she is probably more mostly well known from either the film The Girl in the Spider's Web or the Ragnarok TV series. But other than that, she she's done other work, but nothing that really stood out. Um, Stephen Brand, he's in this uh, movie as Parker Sears. Stephen's actually more well known for his voice acting, I would think, uh, for the Helsing anime series that aired between 2001 and 2002. Uh, but he was also in films, well, he was in the film Scorpion King. He was in the Teen Wolf TV series, and <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the other movie you might know him from, Hellraiser Revelations. <laughs> Please tell me you don't know him from that, and that you never saw the movie and you spared yourself the pain. Um, moving on to Gabriella in this uh, in this movie. She's played by Renata Vecchi. And uh, pretty much she would be known from the TV series Rosario Tierras. Uh, she was in like 58 episodes of that. So I figure if if you've seen her somewhere before, it's probably from there. Uh, Joshua Okamoto as Diego. He's from the Netflix series The Club. I haven't seen The Club yet, so I can't say, but, but that's where he's from. So I don't know how that is, though. I I haven't watched it. Um, Octavio Hinosa, or Hinoyosa, sorry, as Mateo, and he was from the TV series How to Survive Being Single. Uh, Paulette Hernandez, she plays Valentina. She was from the Crown of Tears TV series. And then there's Michael Beach. Now, when he came up in the movie as Henry Kessler, I was like, I know that face from somewhere. Yeah, I recognized him. Specifically from Sons of Anarchy, but he was also in a city Insidious Chapter Two, and uh, Aquaman. He played uh, Black Manta's father. And finally, the face that is in this movie that you will recognize, 
You have to look for it, though. Pay attention. Don't leave the theater too soon. Costas Mandalore returns as Mark Hoffman. Uh, and uh, Mark Hoffman, another familiar face in the Saw franchise. So, um, but his role is very, very minor. And you have to pay attention to find it. The synopsis for Saw 10, Saw X, is as follows. Taking place between the films of Saw and Saw 2, a sick and desperate John travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. The movie is rated R for sequences of grisly, bloody violence and torture. Yes! Language and some drug use. The runtime is a whomping one hour and 58 minutes long. Budget for the movie was $13 million. And currently, because the movie's still in the theaters, but currently the gross for this movie stands at $43.9 million. Congrats, Saw X. A couple trivia facts about this movie. This is the first Saw movie since Part 6 to have a Roman numeral in the title. So it's, like I said, it's Saw Ted, but I like calling it Saw X for some reason. Uh uh uh, it's the ninth time that Tobin Bell has been in a Saw movie as he wasn't actually in Spiral, the Book of Saw. Okay, so physically, corporeally, he's not in the movie, but his picture is in the movie. So if you want to go down that road, yes, technically he's been in all ten, but it's only his picture we see in Spiral. Uh, this is the first film to take place in Mexico. It's the first film in the whole series to not have a cop subplot. There's no subplot where it's like, you know, like dealing with Hoffman or any of the other cops. Like, there's none of that. This is totally a different story. And it's the first time in a movie, in a Saw movie, that we see John Kramer with tears. Like crying, basically. First time we ever see that. This is only the second film to not be released in October. It was close. And it actually was supposed to be released, I believe it was like October 27th or whatnot, but then they released it a month early. For I can't remember what the reason was. And I remember reading it too, but I can't remember what the reason was. It's the first, uh, sorry, the first movie that wasn't released in October was Spiral, The Book of Saw. That was released in May of 2021. And then this one, which was September of 2023. And interesting fact about this movie, this is the first film in the series. And we're talking chapter 10, guys, the 10th film. This is the one where John Kramer, he's the main protagonist and not the antagonist. He's on the other side of this. So that's kind of interesting. Um, Another interesting fact about this, though, this was technically supposed to be the ninth film. Um, the vice president of Lionsgate, go figure. It's always that one guy that's got to interfere with something, right? And it's always someone who's not part of the creative process. <laughs> Warner Brothers knows all about this. But anyways, um, the vice president of Lionsgate, what's his name, Michael Burns? He, uh, 
so they had the, they had this this film Bersaw Ten. They had it all mapped out already. They had it all figured out and stuff. And he came, he comes along and he's got this idea to put Chris Rock in a spot in a in a Saw movie. Approaches Chris Rock, asks him, "Will he do this movie?" Blah 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 blah. And anyways, so this story got pushed to the back burner, and they did spiral the book of Saw. And then once that movie was released, well, the lashback of that <laughs> proved fans really didn't want what Mr. Burns had come up with. Um, yeah, his idea didn't work. So they went back to the roots of the Saw films, and hence Saw 10 finally became a reality. Thank the Dark Lords for that. <sighs> yes, Saw 10. Oh, this should have been the la- this this should have been the ninth movie, honestly. But anyways, um few other little tidbits before I give you my takeaways from the movie. There were there was talks. Okay, so keep in mind, this movie takes place between Saw and Saw 2. So you're looking at, and okay, the last time that Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith were in the same movie, like, you know, they're characters anyways. It's been 17 years since Saw 3. That's the movie that they died. Both both characters died in that. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, we saw Tobin later on in other movies and whatnot, but, you know, it, that, that was, in terms of their story, Saw 3 is the last time they were both alive in the same storyline. So, that's 17 years ago. They've aged. There was they were there was talks of using that computer enhancing like de-aging effect which yes, it's kind of cool. Okay, Star Wars likes doing it a lot lately. Um, you know, Iron Man, yeah, it was nice to see Robert Downey Jr. look like a teenager again and stuff like that. But the problem with it was is that the filmmakers the filmmakers felt it would be a distraction for the movie. So they didn't want to go that way. They didn't want to go that route because there's certain times in the movie where, you know, John Kramer or Amanda, they have emotions that they really wanted the audience to focus on. They don't want them being distracted by, hey, yeah, you know, Tobin Bell looks really young or, wow, they really made, you know, Shawnee Smith look like she's, you know, a younger woman or whatever. So they decided to scrap that idea. They just said, you know what, fuck it. We'll, we'll work with makeup. We'll do what we can. But we need people to focus more on the performances and the emotions, and that's what they wanted the attention on. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's a good call. I can understand the reason why it was being considered, but I'm glad they didn't do it, honestly. Because it's true. I was able to focus more on the story and what was going on, the interactions between John and Amanda and and their victims, obviously. So it was like, yeah kind of glad we did that i'm I'm glad they didn't go with the whole de-aging thing so now we're gonna move on to the part of the show uh in the past i sort of was calling it the quick eight uh, for this movie i decided to call it the slab <laughs> um just because i felt it was i felt it fit with the whole saw thing and whatnot so this is the segment we're calling this week we're calling it the slab it's my takeaways from the movie, what I got from it, what I feel about the movie, things that when I was watching it, how I felt, all that fun stuff. 
First thing I have to say is this movie is well shot. It feels like it's part of the Saw universe. So I, I like what I saw. And the aesthetic is there. The feel is there. Because technically it's in Mexico. So it's like you're you're taking us out of our normal environment. You're putting us somewhere else. How's this going to feel? It felt good. The movie was well shot. Great cinematography by Nick Matthews. And wonderful direction by Kevin Grudert. It helps, obviously, that Kevin has been a recurring player in the Saw universe. He's obviously been an editor. He's been a director. He's been behind the scenes on these films. So that definitely aided in making this feel like a genuine Saw film. It also helps that Tobin, Shawnee, Costas, they all returned. Um, And I remember reading that in the news. I knew it was reported quite early on. So I was excited. It got my interest peaked, especially when they said like that Shawnee and Costas were coming back. And I'm like, how are they doing that? <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Okay. And then I find out it's not so much a prequel, but just an earlier chapter in the story. And I'm like, okay. Um, I got excited. I was like many fans. Many of us were like, we're intrigued. We were doing that thing with our hands. We were sort of rubbing our hands together like, hmm. This has the makings of a good movie. Could we be in for something? Because look, okay. I don't hate Spiral, the Book of Saw. I mean, I own it with all the other ones. I own all nine movies, and when this one comes out, I will own this one as well. Like, physically, I mean. The problem with Spiral was it was such a departure from the other films... And it felt very out of place. Tonally, it did not fit. And as much as it was sort of amusing, I felt like there was so many hidden eggs, or not so hidden eggs, I should say, little nuggets reflecting back on Chris Rock's career and Samuel L. Jackson's career. And, I mean, that's all fine, fun and games, and it's all fine and dandy and whatnot, but in a Saw movie, that's I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted blood. I wanted guts. I want I want some traps. I want that twist at the end of the movie that sometimes I've seen coming, sometimes I haven't. Um, I wanted that. And, I mean, Spiral had that twist, but it just didn't feel right. So when it was announced that the story was going back to its more familiar tone and we were bringing back characters that I loved, it was like, okay, I'm intrigued. And before Saw 10 came out, I did the same thing as many other Saw fans did. I rewatched the previous nine films. And on top of that, I was paying attention to the news coming out about Saw 10. However, I refused to watch any of the trailers. There was no way I didn't want to see it. And I remember, if I remember correctly, it was my friend Colin was like, did you see the new trailer? Oh my God, I'm so hyped. And I... I basically told him, I said, say nothing. I'm not watching trailers. I wanted to go in completely blind, and I'm glad I did. Honestly, I was actually glad I did. I was glued. Okay. As much as I hate, and it really does bother me, I hate when I'm watching a movie with someone and they're staring at their phone. But there have been times that even myself... Watching And usually when I'm watching a movie by myself, when I'm watching with friends, I like to watch their reactions. So it's like "Mm, the phone can stay away. 
But there's been a few movies I've watched recently where it's like, yeah, the old phone came out and I'm reading reviews before the movie's even done. So I'm like, eh, this just isn't keeping me engaged. The thing that I loved about this movie, I was fucking engaged. For two hours, I did not, I didn't even think of picking up my phone. I was into this movie. I did not look at it. I was just totally focused. That's a sign of good storytelling. The other thing that I really liked about this movie was the different approach it took. And there's a few approaches it took that were different. But the one that really stood out was that for once, we got to see this movie, this story, through John Kramer's eyes. His perspective. I love that the movie made us sympathize with him. Like, you actually feel for John Kramer. This is a guy who, that for eight films out of the nine prior was putting people through some of the worst fucking predicaments you could possibly think of. Yes, some of them quite outrageous too, to the point where they actually took you out of the film because it's like, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll never forget Saw 5, the one scene that always kills me. I enjoy watching it, but it's ridiculous, is where um, they have to stick their hand into that, like, contraption that's got the buzz saws going and they have to like basically give a liter of blood and here they are they're chopping up their own hand and everything and then they pull their hands out after and their arms are split in half and so okay the thing is the second the blade hits your fucking hand you're out you're gonna fucking pass out there's no way you stay alert through all of that so i mean there there's been times in the past movies where i'm like okay you completely took me out of this but whatever they're soft films i know what i'm getting um, this movie, it's still got a bit of that absurdity to it, but it, it's the story that actually was engaging. And like I said, you got John Kramer, this hideous monster of a man, and you are actually making me sympathize with him on, in this one. And I'm like, okay. And then I talk about the story. This, unlike other Saw films, this one takes its time to flesh out the story. Yes, pun intended, by the way. Um, We're getting character development in a Saw movie. Wait, what? (laughs) Usually they do things at lightning pace. It's like you open up with the movie, you got someone in a trap, and then it's just bang, bang, bang. 90 minutes of torture, gore, blood, guts, and little supposed lessons that Jigsaw is supposedly teaching these people that most of them will not survive to have learned the lesson anyways. Saw 10, on the other hand, gives us that chance to breathe, something I sometimes forget to do when I'm podcasting. But anyways, uh, no, but we get a chance to actually take in what the story has to offer. We're seeing a different different side of John Kramer that makes us feel for him it's like okay wow like this movie is really doing some things here that i have not seen before in a saw movie and we're talking about a franchise that's now 10 movies big someone should be talking to like you know david gordon green who now apparently is also being thrown out of directing the next two exorcist films after the supposed new one is an abysmal failure i haven't seen it yet so i can't comment on that but Kevin Gruder does something amazing with this movie in, and and that's also including the writers, uh, Pete Goldfinger and, um, Oh boy. I forgot his name. I got to scroll all the way back up. 
Josh Stolberg. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Pete and Josh do a great job because they wrote this movie as well and stuff. And I mean, they, they come up with like some really good storytelling. I mean, we're talking about the idea that big pharma. Okay. And this is something that's been relevant. Well, for quite some time, but think of the past couple of years, you know, the big pharmacy like companies and whatnot, they will let people down. Yeah, they make you think they're on your side. No, they're not. And we all know they're not. They won't be there to help us at our most vulnerable and they're they're gonna charge us up the fucking ass and everything's so expensive and this and that. You know, the idea that they will fail the public and they in this movie they fail John Kramer. So he takes matters into his own hands. This is what a lot of people do. This is some uh, sadly this is where some conspiracy theories come from, but it's what happens. The only thing about this movie that's so different from real life is that John Kramer takes things into his own hands. He takes, you know, he he's I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to try this experimental experimental treatment. I want to get rid of my cancer and they fuck him over. Well, in the Saw universe, if you fuck with John Kramer, you will get yours. And so you have this movie that starts off slow, breathing, lets you take it all in. Then we fuck over John Kramer. He finds out, and that's when this movie says, okay, it's time to unleash on you now, and we will let the massacre begin. This is the longest film in the series. It's just under two hours long. But it didn't feel like it. I will say that. I remember when I saw there, you know, I saw it was like an hour, an hour and 58 minutes for a fucking Saw movie. Are you kidding me? And automatically in my mind, I'm thinking that's two hours of just, you know, pure torture porn. And it's like, fuck, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. But then I saw what happened. I see this well-edited, well-paced, well-acted story with some blood and guts. And I'm like, wow. And then... On top of that, after the movie comes out, this is the first time in a long time that I can remember a movie where both fans and critics are walking away loving a movie, let alone a movie in the Saw universe, but or a sequel in any franchise. Like it's just not something we see these days. You know, even with take fucking everything Disney pumps out and you can't please everyone with the shit they pump out and saw 10 comes out. And I, even I was like, am I reading this right? Like I'm, I'm seeing reviews, you know, where people are like, this is the best story in the saw universe. This is the best saw movie, uh, best uh, movie in the franchise that they've ever released. And this and that. And I'm like, wait, what? That's critics. Then I see fans. I'm on social media doing the fucking thing I hate most, but I'm reading comments. And it's like, everybody's like, great movie. Love the movie. This was awesome. Oh my God. I can't believe I, 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 I love this movie. And it's like, what is going on? I'm like, are, are we in the right era? <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, and then I'm thinking about myself. I'm like, well, okay, this is easily one of my favorite performances by Tom and Bell. Easily. Shawnee Smith, she rises to the occasion as well. I'm like, both actors gave stellar performances. I I absolutely love this. All the supporting actors felt believable. 
I didn't sit there and go, oh, they're out of place or they're cringeworthy or anything. No, they they all worked. I was like, oh, wow. And then well, we're talking a Saw movie here. So how about them games? The traps. The blood. Yep, it's all there. The practical effects are alive and well in this movie. <laughs> um, I don't want to spoil that, so I'm not going to talk about what I saw. Uh, and you've obviously seen, if you paid any attention, you've seen, well, the poster shows you there's one with tubes hooked up to eyes. Yeah, that one was pretty impressive. And it was a nice twist on that one as well. When you realize something about that trap, I was like, oh, I've never seen that before in a Saw movie either. So it was it was good. They do justice. They do the movie justice. The practical effects work. The traps work. Um, and I mean, honestly, by now, we're talking the 10th movie. If you aren't expecting to see some gore in a Saw movie, well, what rock have you been fucking living under? Of course, there will be gore. And there's lots of it. it it's good. It's a nice bloody movie. Um, I did see, it was being reported, apparently, um, some people were saying they thought Saw 10 was worse than Terrifier 2. I don't know. I, let me let me put it to you this way. I don't I don't really judge based on which one is more gorier than the other. I'd have to say in the last 2 years, The Sadness, Terrifier 2 and Saw 10, probably the most goriest films I've seen in the last 2 years. But I don't know, and that I don't see everything either. Like I'm, I'm like every other horror movie fan. We see the movies we see. Sometimes it takes us a while to get to other movies. Sometimes it doesn't. There's movies that came out a couple months ago. I still haven't gotten to, but I got to this one right away. So I mean, I, it, I don't know. I will say it's up there. Let's put it that way. Um, what the the the, the thing about Saw X, and I, I'm almost to my conclusion on this guys the thing that this movie has going for it is that it's got enough for multiple types of fans so some fans will go into this they'll want that blood that gore they're going to they're going to love what they're going to see others will squirm if you're not if you're a little squeamish you might not like all that blood and guts but on the other hand you'll love the story and then you'll have some fans that, you know, they just want the torture porn. They're going to be like, well, the story is okay. It's great, whatever. But I love those traps. So it gives you the best of both worlds. You know, story, acting, score, all great. Yes, Mr. Slugworth does it again. Um, consistency, my friends. It's all about consistency. Uh, and that's the thing to Charlie Clauser's score. I've already talked about it, so I'll just say it's wonderful. It fits. There's a, there's that iconic theme too. Oh yeah. It, it's, it's in this movie. I was like, yes, I love that theme. Um, but there's, this is probably one of the fullest packages I can say for a saw film there was nothing where i was like that was a letdown no there's no letdown in this movie rotten tomatoes now here's prove my point about critics 82 percent fresh rating for a saw film it's the highest it's ever been for a saw film with an average of 6.5 out of 10 imdb has the movie currently sitting at a 7.1 out of 10 
that's awesome. Like, I mean, you have mainstream films that don't even break six. Okay. Like <laughs> this 7.1 out of 10 currently right now. And I've seen it fluctuate. It's been basically between 7.3 and 7.1. It has not dipped down to the sixes yet. So it's like, fuck, that's a lot of praise for this movie. Variety Magazine, The New York Times, Hollywood Reporter, all of them had nothing but praise for the 10th film in this series. And while I probably don't have to do this, let's get to the Podcast Zero rating. Because for a series that has built its existence on blood, guts, torture, and pain, this one gave us something new to bite into. A story of sympathy. Fuck, we're talking Saw, guys. (laughs) What the hell? I mean, John Kramer has always had his reasons why he felt the choice of life and death was a good way to teach some morals and values of life. And there is that in this film. But this movie also lets us see the backstory as to why the certain group of people get their chance to play a game. I mean, we've all, it, you've always seen that in the movies, but that was usually the twist. This time there's a twist in the movie that's not that. There's still a twist, though. It comes in the final act. Don't worry. You'll get your twist. Some of you will see it coming. Some of you won't. Um... It did things differently. It made it made a movie that's tenth in it's the tenth installment, and it made a movie fresh. It was a fresh take on an existing story. That's next year, twenty twenty four. It will be twenty years that Saw has been around. This was a good movie. I mean, I I, I I'll admit. As much as I was excited for it, I did keep my expectations in check. But by the time it was done, I was pleased with this movie. Like, And the night I watched this movie, I also... Later on in the night, I had watched um, Insidious, The Red Door, and... Shit. Can't remember what the other movie was. It wasn't that good, though. <laughs> I remember that. And even after watching Insidious, The Red Door, which I did like, but saw... I just kept thinking about Saw. It was like, I watched three movies within a 10-hour period, and that was the one that just kept coming back to me. I was just really into it. Um, I've always said, the first three Saw films, one through three, and part six, love part six, they've always been my favorites. Well, Saw 10 has now joined that conversation. In terms of my top five, I'm not going to rank them. I'm just going to say it's one two, three, five, and ten. Or sorry, six and ten. Six and ten. Those are my top fives. The other ones, you can mix and match them. I mean, probably my least... How do I do this? Let's say uh, number ten would be Spiral, and then it would be Saw 3D, um, then Saw 5, Jigsaw, and Saw 4. I I don't know. And Saw 4 was actually pretty good too it was just eh. i love that original trilogy I, I i felt that was the perfect package if they had stopped there i would have been okay with it but as for this movie oh shit this is eight jigsaw traps out of ten it whew, i love this movie i was really impressed um and i highly recommend it i really really do if you if you and here's the thing you don't have to have seen them all if you've seen Saw 1 and 2, 
That's all you really need. If you've seen the first three, you're set. You're perfect. Just go watch this one. Plop it right between one and two. And it's it's a great movie. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm glad. I was really trying to figure out what I was going to do for my first review back and whatnot. And then this movie just it just seemed right i was like ah yeah let's do it because next week next week's episode want to hit be a good day for an exorcism yep those of you in the know will know and the rest of you will come back next week going oh that's what he was talking about Mm, yes it'll be a good day for an exorcism and on that note i want to Thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming back. I know it took me forever and a day, but I'm back. The show is back. It's back on all the usual suspects as well. Anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, from what I heard, I guess Stitcher is gone. I guess it's now Pandora or something like that. I don't know. No, there's so many podcast apps these days. It's like I'm always hearing of like these new ones, and it's like, oh, all right. And then I check, and sure enough, my show's there, and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Well, I guess people can find it there too. But I mean, it's on the usual suspects, you know, Spotify, Spotify for sure, Apple Podcasts, Google, um, Castbox, Amazon, Audible. Uh, Podbean show can be found there anywhere you listen to the majority of your podcasts you will probably find what lurks behind podcast zero there as well Uh, in terms of social media Facebook and Instagram are the two you're most likely to find me at Twitter or X, as it's known now. Thanks, Elon. We love the new name. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I couldn't care less what it's called. Um, it's shitter, if you ask me. Uh, Twitter is a weird culture, and I don't like it there very much. I do share the episodes there and whatnot. I poke in every now and then. Apparently, I have a whole slew of new followers on twitter that are all basically bots it's awesome i go on there and there's like 12 notifications i'm like oh what's this and i click on it and it's like all these people are following you and they're all like supposedly hot chicks and it's yeah follow me and looking for love and all this and i'm like this is why i hate social media (laughs) it's like fuck off so I don't use the Twitter a whole lot. Uh, Every now and then, if there's, like, something I need to find out, like, real time, I might look there, but uh, it's there. Follow me if you want. You don't have to. Uh, But Facebook and Instagram, definitely. Facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero and Instagram what lurks behind podcast zero. And there's the email, of course. You can always email if you like. What lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com. This show is done, kids. Don't worry. Next episode will be next week. It's a good month. It's it's October. It's Halloween. It's everything that's good. Oh, it's also Thanksgiving uh, for Canadians. So, happy Turkey Day to all you Canucks. 
They're just like me. Yes. Oh, hey, I'm saving this for the end because it's something I'm very excited about. So Thursday night. Okay, so to preface the story, Sunday, Chicago Bears played Denver Broncos. If you know anything about football, you know that the Chicago Bears basically choked after having a super huge lead and Denver came back and won that game. So it was a very bitter taste. So Thursday night, Chicago's playing Washington. Being that Bears fan who's been like, look, man, we ain't lo- we ain't won a game in a fucking year. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. Well, I got a nice little post-birthday present when Chicago Bears decided to finally win a fucking game. <laughs> I was pretty excited about that. So, yeah, that happened. And you're like, oh, what's that got to do with horror? Trust me, being a Bears fan is a fucking horror movie, okay? Just when you you always think, you're like, oh, here we go. We might have a win. And somehow or another, they will fuck it up. And finally, Thursday, October 5th, they won a game. I was pretty happy about that. So that's how I'm going to end this show off is with a Go Bears. Because I know that asshole, he's just waiting to tell me to shut the fuck up. You need to shut the fuck up. Hey, lick my plate, you dog dick.